Well, good morning. This is, uh, again, uh, one of the first Sundays of, of the new year. An opportunity, certainly a reminder, to, to make changes. And this morning we are continuing to use the changing of the calendar as an opportunity to make some changes in our lives. Two weeks ago, we looked at some of the lingo and the lessons of the, that we learned from 2020 and how we as Christians can apply what we've learned. And last week we were reminded of how God equips each one of us for the purposes he has established for our lives. And we are familiar with some of the great leaders and teachers found in the Bible, but we often forget that most of them were reluctant. Moses, he wasn't convinced that it was God who was speaking to him on the mountain. He also argued that God was wrong and he wouldn't be a good choice to go to Egypt and lead God's people to the promised land. And this was a great example of how God equips us for, for what he wants us to accomplish. You may remember that Moses' argument was that he was slow in speech. And God's reply was, I was the one who made your mouth and gave you voice. I know your limitations and I know how to equip you. Another example we looked at was Jonah. And God told him to, get, to go to Nineveh and Jonah preferred not to. And we know what happened next. And Saul, the Roman persecutor of Christians who would become Paul the apostle, needed to have God get his attention before he was equipped to do God's work. These are just three well-known examples, but the Bible and certainly history is filled with people who didn't move when God told them to move. And as I was preparing this message, the image of kicking the can came down the street came to my mind, you know, as you walk along. Instead of picking it up and doing something with it, we simply give it a deliberate punt, and we can put it out of mind until we're either ready to do something with it or we simply kick it again. If Sherry was sitting in the front right now, she would tell you how I procrastination is, is a point of contention with us. I have somehow convinced myself that I work better under pressure, which is just a twisted way of, of justifying some of my procrastinating nature. But anyway, and as a side note, as I was planning the message, I was going to call it, pick up your can, right? And, and I, there's a little bit of a, a cleverness of a pun that the roadside sign may not, you know, it, they're going to think something's wrong with us. So and it would probably end up on one of those sites, church messages gone wrong or something like that. So we, it's pick up the can, pick up the can. We're going to talk about what to do when you get to that point where you need to do something. And I digress. In order to fulfill the purpose of your life, the one which God himself called you and equipped you for, we need to commit to one thing, and that's action. We must be willing to go. We must be willing to do whatever that looks like. And if you need a quick litmus test, ask yourself these questions. How do the people that I meet every day know that I am a Christian? How do they know that? How about what difference does my faith make in my life? Am I thinking, talking, or acting any differently than I would if I was not a Christian? Kind of give yourself a self-assessment. And We are blessed to live in a country that respects our religious beliefs and freedoms to the extent of allowing us to pursue them freely, right? But what if Christianity was illegal? Would you be convicted? Would your actions serve as evidence in a court of law to prove that you are guilty of being a Christian? That is something you should strive for. It sounds strange to think about that. But Christianity without the go or Christianity without the do of putting our faith into action isn't Christ-like at all. The example of some Jesus' life. I mean, when Jesus walked the earth, he was a man of God. He was a man and he was a man of God. He was a doer. And when he taught about the kingdom, he didn't teach just to give people information and to get them schooled up. He applied kingdom principles. 
to everything that he did, demonstrating how we can live productive, fulfilled lives that make a difference in this world and in his kingdom. And John describes it this way. He says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would be written. That's from scripture. Can you imagine that? Jesus was what's such a man of action that there wouldn't be enough room in the whole world to contain a written account of everything they did, that he did. I mean, think about this. Think about how he saved you. Think about what he did in your life. How you were saved by Jesus' actions. He came as a real boy, born in a real manger to a real woman in this very real earth. He suffered crucifixion, which is a horrible, horrible torture. And nails were driven through his flesh and hung on a cross. And he died and was buried on the third day, he rose again. It took real action on his part to save you. And that's what he came to do. Not just to preach about it, but to do it. And that story of how he's affected you and what you've done, that gets written into Jesus' book of action. That's why words cannot contain it. And this kind of life is not optional for us as Christians. It is at the heart of our faith. When we serve others, we serve the Lord himself. And this is how he has asked us to return his love. Matthew 25, 40 reveals these words. It says, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters, of mine you did for me. That is why it's so important to have a servant heart and to serve others and to be aware of and take action steps in the serving of the Lord. But anytime there's a discussion about faith and action or faith versus work, two verses come to mind without fail. Paul wrote in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ to for good works, which God prepared beforehand that he should walk in them. We should walk in them. Okay? By grace you've been saved through faith, not of your own doing. Remember that. And then in James 2, 14 through 26, it says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can the faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of them says to you, go in peace, be warm and filled. I love this visual. Without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. It's a lot of words, and I love that example. It's, you know, it's like one of those things where people say, I'm with you in spirit. I don't want to go there, but I'm with you in spirit. Well, what does that mean? Okay, praying does matter. But if they say I'm with you in spirit and they really aren't taking the action step of supporting you, whatever that looks like in that situation, do you understand how faith and action go hand in hand? Now I'll tell you, the Bible does not contradict itself. So there has to be a reconciliation between the two truths. You know, we're saved by faith, but faith without action is dead. So here's, here's what it is. We are saved by grace. Grace is undeserved and unearned. Nothing you could do would, would earn your salvation. Nothing you yourself. We cannot on our own achieve salvation. That sounds like bad news, but we know the good news, don't we? And we are called to perform the works of the Lord, to go and to do. 
what he demonstrates and commanded us to do. We do this because of our faith. We do this because of our faith. But works in and of itself does not save us. To keep our faith alive and prospering, we must put it to use. Now, I'm a, I'm a practical thinker, so I like the checklist. And I'm not going to overly do it, but I'm just going to share a couple practical ways that we can put faith in action. How about pray throughout your day? Paul writes in his first letter to the, to the Thessalonians, this is um, chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, he says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Okay? Sometimes, some places it says, pray without ceasing. Now, that does that mean you never get off your knees and, and do anything but talk to God? Not necessarily. But can't you go about your life and pray in every situation and look at something and say, that's beautiful, thank you, God. That's a prayer, you know? The microwave is a wonderful invention. You can do a lot of things in about 10 seconds now, right? Prayer is the same way. I mean, you've got your long, slow burners that you need to spend quality time with, okay? But sometimes you just need the microwave prayer that says, God, thank you. God, what do you want me to do? He loves that. He loves that. Pray throughout your day. Second, read your Bible. Joshua 1.8 says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, that's a, that's a promise. If you do this, if you keep this book of your law, meditate on it day and night, then you will be prosperous and successful. That's a promise from God. But again, meditate on it day and night. Am I supposed to walk around doing the mantra of mm, reading the book? No. I mean, that would be kind of cool. But at the same time, it's, it's saying... Always, always have one that you're ready. We've never lived in a time in history where a Bible is more accessible. If you've got a phone that's on it, if you need a Bible, we'll provide it, a written Bible, that's it. There's no reason to not have a Bible that you're ready. And yes, there are the verses that you can look at and, and know and, and you're very familiar with them, but there's so many stories in between. You want to learn about the life of Jesus, read Luke, Right? If you want to hear the story of Christmas, Luke and Matthew, if you want to hear about the Last Supper and the Resurrection, good stuff in there. You want to just read some things about praise, read Psalms. You want some good wisdom that's going to make you think? Proverbs. You want to hear how it all began? Genesis. And reading your Bible is a great way to hear from God and to know how to live a more faithful life. Because before you read, you say, God, what do you want me to get out of this? And don't be surprised if it's not what you think it's going to be. Pray without ceasing. Read your Bible. Three, read a devotional. Get a daily dose of encouragement. Again, you can sign up. You'll get them to your phone and all that stuff. Devotions are a great way of reading the Bible, but they don't replace reading the Bible. It's, a, it's the microwave Bible. Let's think of it that way. It's, it's an encouraging word with some scripture to go with. But if you just read it and move on, that doesn't do you any good. Read it and take two minutes, the two-minute challenge. To read it and say, okay, what is this saying to me? What, does this need, what do I need to do differently? Where can I apply this in my life? Next, wear your faith on your sleeve. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, but it is with your mouth that you profess your faith. When we had the, the message on the lessons in lingo of 2020, we used some of the, the buzzwords from last year. One of them was the, um, the shy, we, we called it the shy trumper, but I was equating it to other things, you know. Uh, you know, I, I do a little bit of sales work, and, and you know what the number one selling, and I've asked you this before, so you're going to know it, the number one selling vehicle is, in America, it's the Ford F-150. 
Anybody see one outside? I don't drive one. Yet, yet it's the best selling. Just because I don't see it and I don't know it doesn't mean that it's not there. So there are shy Christians. There may not be a lot of people out there professing their faith, but they're there. A lot of people have a lot of faith. When I say wear your faith on your sleeve, just say don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed of your faith. Next, continue to be involved in church. Okay? Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, seeing the God with gratitude in your hearts. Hebrews 10.24-25, I read this a lot. It's about spurring each other on in, in love and good deeds and encouraging one another. These are the purposes of the church. Acts 2.42, where a lot of the, the concept of church was established in the book of Acts, says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. See, the church is much more than a Sunday gathering. Church extends far beyond Sunday morning and Wednesday night Bible study. Being involved in your church means volunteering and serving and helping to the best of your ability. And there are so many ways that that can be done. Your presence, and more so your involvement, makes this church what it is. Next, make friends with people and share your values and reach out to people who don't share your values. That second one's tough. Tough, especially in such a politically and, and otherwise charged environment. And the last thing, if you want a practical step, decide. Make a decision. Now we know that God has equipped us. We talked about this last week with, with different things. Is Romans 12, 6 or 8 says, we have different gifts. Prophecy, let them use it in proportion of faith. Serving, let them serve. Teaching, let them teach. Encouraging, let them encourage. And it could go on. God has so many. They're, they're gifts of the Spirit. They're fruits of the Spirit. They're actual you know, talents and abilities that are not directly listed but are served by example. Decide to use these, to recognize them. And it could be grand gestures. It could be a small act. It could be an anonymous act. Mother Teresa said this quote, says, faith in action is love, and love in action is service. By transforming that faith into living acts of love, we put ourselves in contact with God himself, with Jesus our Lord. Let me read that again. Faith in action is love, and love in action is service. By transforming that faith into living acts of love, we put ourselves in contact with God himself. So if I were to really boil it down into two things to do, I'd say number one, make a decision. Make a decision. Two, whatever you decide, do it now. Do it now. And when someone comes to me saying, you know, I can't hear from God, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to be do, I, I, I usually stop and I'll be honest, I have to ask myself this more often than other people ask me that. What do I do? God, what is my purpose? And I have to think, what was the last thing he asked me to do and did I do that? Or is he still waiting on me to do something? Is that possible? Now, BC, which is what I call before children in my life, I had a lot of interesting hobbies, some expensive ones and things that have been put on the shelf and somehow I haven't gotten back to. But in a previous life, BC, I was a pilot. And as a pilot, there's a lot of checklists, a lot of checklists. And when you're co-piloting, there's call-outs, they call them. So you're going down the runway and you, and you say, 80 knots, this is a fast plane. My plane, 40 knots, <laughs> 40 knots. And then you say V1. Now, V1 is decision speed. At V1, you are going too fast to safely stop on that runway. So whatever happens, you're getting off the ground. You better. 
Then they say V2. V2 means rotate. That's when the nose comes up. And then you say positive rate of climb. You make sure you're going up. You look out the window, you look at your gauges, I'm going up. And then gear up and flaps up. You can't, and you certainly shouldn't do any of that out of order. Don't yank back on the stick at 40 knots. Please don't pull up the, uh, the wheels while you're on the ground. You know, <laughs> things like that. We have an orderly God. He is a God of order. And if he is putting pieces in your life, if he is on putting you on a path, you need to take the steps in the order he puts before you. Now, he's got all the time in the world. And he is a patient God. Scripture says that. But, but we tend to rush to the thing that's a little more exciting, maybe a little more glamorous. We certainly want to rush to the blessing part. You know, some people say, I believe in God. I pray and I go to church. I'm spiritual, but not religious. Back in another previous light, life, did the, the dating scene, the dating app. Gosh, I'm so glad I don't have to date anymore. I mean, I date my wife, but that's completely different because she has to say yes. <laughs> and she has to pay. Well, we both do. But anyway, but I remember one of the categories was, you know, you pick the religion. One was spiritual, but not religious. I just thought that was puzzling. What does that mean? You know, kumbaya? Or, or are they maybe a little burned by church? But anyway, some people say, I believe in God, and I pray and I go to church at least on Christmas and Easter. And I sing the hymns, and I even put something in the offering plate every now and then. But what they're trying to do is to fulfill what they perceive as their obligation to God. You know, I checked the box. I went to church. I sang the song. I, you know, I put the money in the offering plate. I, you know, I did church. But that's as far as their spiritual life reaches. And when it comes to tough times, where's your foundation? You might remember the sermon you heard. You might remember the scripture. You might remember an encouraging smile from someone. But faith is deeper than that. You've got to get engaged. So the solution is unconditional surrender. Like the song we sang, I have decided to follow Jesus. We have to fully commit, fully go all in on this. Unconditional surrender in this case is not giving up. It's giving over. And when we put our faith into action, our lives will reflect the life of Jesus. That's a good thing. This is what a relationship with Jesus is all about. It, it may not be easy. It may not be popular. It may not be glamorous. But we do not do it alone. If we trust him, if we place our faith in Jesus, he will be with us and he will empower us to do his work. He will make it possible for us to put our faith into action. He gave Moses the speech, the strength of speech. He gave Paul the eloquence that he said he did not have. Is there a can you've been kicking down the road? Have you been putting off making a decision to follow Christ more closely? Have you been hesitant or unwilling to give up a bad habit or a sin in your life? Have you been dismissive of the divine promptings in your life to go or to do something? We want our blessings now. We prefer that God not wait to give us the wonderful things he has for us, right? Meanwhile, we argue, we negotiate, we negotiate our terms. We ignore and we act contrary to his infinite wisdom that he has. And why? Why do we do this? And I'm including myself. Why do we do this? Let's decide and commit to taking an action step. Let's commit today. Let's, as a fellowship of friends and faithful followers of Christ, make this risky prayer. Will you pray with me, please? Father God, you call us to be doers, not just hearers. And what doing looks like in this room could be a hundred different things. Lord, all you promised is that there is something for us to do 
and you have or will equip us to do that which you want us to do. You've also promised blessings. Father God, help us to not skip steps. Help us not to be so short-sighted that we can't get past the thing that you've asked us to do that isn't what we necessarily want to do or in the timing because we're so focused on that we can't see the prize for the race we're running. God, we thank you for the giving us the purpose, for giving us meaning and value. And Lord, not, let us never look at that purpose being completely fulfilled here on earth. You've got bigger, grander plans, and we should have a kingdom perspective. Father, as, as always, I thank you for everyone here, everyone who listens online. God, I thank you for the ability to share messages. Lord, we thank you for the ability to read your word Lord, we ask you to open our hearts and open our eyes and open our minds to the context of what you'd have us here, both in this message and in, in the examples around us and in your word. Father, we lift up this entire service and our entire lives to you. We unconditionally surrender to you. We ask you to lead us and to guide us. Amen.